all, would you join with me in prayer? Father, we give thanks to you this Christmas morning. Father, we ask that by your, the power of your Spirit, this morning would be entirely Christ-focused and Christ-centered. Father, we give you thank you, thanks for the gift of your Son. And in this, when we, when we read and we ponder on the virgin birth of Christ, Father, we pray that we would, we would not become, it would not, it would not become a story that is common to us. It would not become too familiar that we are not overwhelmed by the magnitude of the miracle and the, and the grace and the work that you did on that day 2,000 years ago. Father, we pray you would bless this service. We pray also that you would be with the Prettyman family. Father, we pray that you would, you would comfort Gwen and the kids in the way that only you can comfort them. Father, we give you thanks, and we will give you all the glory. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Well, in preparation for today, we, you know, it's, been a, it's been a great month of Advent messages, and we've spent a lot of time in the gospel stories. We've been in Matthew, we've been in Luke, and I want to go back to Luke this morning, but as I, as I thought about this message today and, 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 and what I thought the Lord would have for us, I kept coming back to just this sense of wonder that permeates the Christmas season. So what is it about Christmas that for most of us it is a time filled with mystery, amazement, and wonder? Is it the memories of childhood the Christmas traditions that connect us to family, to safety, to that sense of being loved? Or would we say it's all commercialism? Christmas bahang, bah humbug. Materialism run rampant in our culture. There's certainly plenty of that, isn't there? But this isn't unique to the Christmas season. As the Apostle Paul, or I'm sorry, the Apostle John puts it, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life, they're really all equal opportunity providers, winter, spring, and summer, aren't they? Now, I think it's something much deeper, something underlying all of it. Beyond the gifts, the ribbons, and the decorations, there is a wonder a mystery there. Even for the unbelieving, Christmas represents a magical time of hope. The movies tell us that so. 
The reasons why are often confused and muddled, but nonetheless, the season seems to have universal love. Now, to date myself a little bit, on December 9th, 1965, I was 23 days short of my fifth birthday. Yes, I did the math. Does anybody know the significance of that date? December 9th, 1965. Well, I like to think that our mother gathered us around the TV to view the original airing of Charlie Brown, A Christmas. Remember that? And if not, that Sunday, or that, um, that evening, I hope soon after one year, I'm certain my mom had us around it. One of, one of the, my, my clearest memories, very early memories of the holiday season, as a kid, complaining about something, behind my mom, she's got the cart, we're going through the grocery store line, and I always made sure that she got the TV guide. This is back in the days where a program showed once a year. If it was a, if it was a repeat show, right? No VCRs, no tape. That's it. That's your one shot. And, and we really enjoyed that movie. And the amazing thing is, unwittingly, so did the rest of the country. Whether you were a Christian or not, Linus read those seven brief verses from Luke chapter 2 and exposed the Bible's Christmas story to the world. And I think that must have been one of God's most amazing works of providence. Every year, for 57 years, millions upon millions of people exposed to the Christmas story and the proclamation of the virgin birth of Christ. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. Remember that line? Even in our modern, highly secular culture, where many have tried to silence that message of hope and wonder, they just can't seem to do it. And this morning, I thought we would take a moment and just dig a little bit deeper and, and just ponder on the wonder of Christmas. So let me start. I want to read Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. You may remain seated. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town, and Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths 
and laid him in the manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Well, that's the wonder of Christmas. And interestingly, if we look at the text, it begins in the context of really a world without wonder. We look at the first three verses and we see this decree. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria and all went to be registered, each to his own town. This is the world Jesus is born into. Caesar Augustus, he ruled for 45 years from 31 BC to AD 14. He was the first of the Roman emperors, and to many, he was considered the greatest of the Roman emperors. He was given the title Augustus by the Senate after putting an end to the civil wars that raged and followed the dictatorship of Julius Caesar. And it established what was called Pax Romana, the Roman peace. What I find interesting in these first three verses compared to the Christmas story is that the world operates on what is seen, doesn't it? And we operate on what is not seen. We walk by faith. The world prizes power and wealth and the visible expressions of it. It will respond violently to attain it and keep it. You probably remember the other story in Matthew's Gospel of Herod, King Herod, the infamous King Herod. We find that in Matthew chapter 2. I won't read that, but just to summarize some of the events, you remember wise men came from the east. They were searching for the king of the Jews. 
They knew he would be born in Bethlehem and they followed a star that hung in the sky guiding them there. And what was Herod's response? Was it one of wonder and amazement? When he heard the news, he was troubled. He was troubled. And if we look at Herod, Herod was actually not the rightful heir to Israel's throne. He had usurped power by aligning himself with Roman rule and seizing the throne. Likely the Magi's visit was fairly intimidating. They were talking about someone else who was supposed to be on the throne. Perhaps they were the forerunner of a force that would remove him from power. So what did he do? He ended up doing everything in his power to destroy the Messiah. Because instead of wonder at this good news of great joy, he saw a threat to power and something that would potentially undermine his authority. And if we read on in the story, we know that he, he later destroys all the male children in an effort to, on, on, on mass effect, somehow get the Messiah. And as I thought about this, I came, reading through a number of different texts, Psalm 2 really jumped out to me. And it's just this amazing prophetic look at this, this tension. Starting in in verse 1 of Psalm 2, it says, Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. The same song in the next verses gives the Lord's response. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. So what can we learn from this response to the world raging against God and his people and really against the gospel message? And we see it today, don't we? We see this rage in so many places. It seems to us so irrational. But there's wonderful guidance in this psalm how we are to respond. And we certainly don't respond with fear and despair. This text shows no fear and despair to the nations. 
how we respond, rather, is with settled confidence and certainty of God's plan. Let me say that again. We, we respond with a settled confidence in the certainty of God's plan. It says, The Lord has set his Son in authority over all the ends of the earth and given it as his possession, irrespective of how the nations rage or the people's plot. And again, this psalm is, is just a, a wonderful foreshadowing of really the entirety of the gospel, perhaps over a thousand years before the time of Christ's birth. Verses 10 through 12 say, Now therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way. For his wrath is quickly kindled, but blessed are all who take refuge in him. What I love about this is it's a reminder that the Lord always offers a path of reconciliation. So this is, as I said, I think a good glimpse at, at the material world without the wonder of God. Let's look at the world from the perspective of the wonder of God. Luke 2, 8 through 14, we see this beautiful text. This is Linus's favorite line. He does it every year. And it's filled with wonder. Verse 9, there's an angel's appearance. I, I don't know what that looks like. And I actually looked up how many times angels have physically uh, or, or physically or, or in the um, dreams of men been recorded in the Bible. And there were, there were various opinions. But it's less than you think. And it's usually associated with some sense of terror, if not just awe, right? These are amazing, powerful beings. And then it says, the glory of the Lord was manifested around them. And I, my mind goes back to to Moses and the Israelites and being guided by the cloud and the lightning and just this awesome sense of God's presence. I imagine this glory of the Lord that was manifested to these shepherds was amazing. And then they received news. Good news of great joy. Good news of great joy. And they said it was for all people. So they felt included. And then it says, unto you in verse 11, 
It felt personalized. And then a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, is born. And you will find him lying in a manger. Then there was an appearance of the heavenly host. They were praising God, giving glory to God in the highest, saying, peace on earth among those with whom he is pleased. So what is that all about? And did they really know what that was all about? I suspect they didn't. I suspect that their memories went back to, this is, this is a, a time where literacy was very, very low. It was very much an oral tradition culture. So they grew up with the prophecies. They grew up with the promises. And many of these words would start sparking little bits of hope and wonder. But what does it mean? Christ the Lord is born. And what in the world, or why in the world, is he lying in a feeding trough? All this is so unexpected, but is wonderful. It's amazing. It's coming from an angel. A being that they had never seen the likes of before. So I, I, I think this is just a wonderful picture if we, if we meditate on it, that the moment was much more than information being delivered. And that's our risk. I think, I think as we look at this 2,000 years later, and we read this text, and Linus shares it with us year after year after year, it becomes information, doesn't it? It stops being wonderful. It stops being amazing. But it is amazing. It is wonderful. So I don't think they necessarily fully understood what was happening, but they responded to it with wonder. So what can we learn about their response? I think first, when we respond with wonder, we seek out God. We are already lacking a whole lot of information, right? But when we, when we see God as the source, we'll seek him out. When we respond with wonder, we seek out the Lord. And second, when we respond with wonder, we tell others what we have seen. If this, is, if this is just some common new set of data, it's not something that we necessarily share. But we share things that are wonderful. We share things that are amazing. We share things that we hope other people will experience wonder and amazement. And thirdly, when we respond with wonder, we glorify God. Verse 20, And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. 
you remember when, when Jesus had his triumphal entry and the religious leaders told him, you, this isn't right. You need to be keeping your people quiet. And Jesus responded, if, if they weren't crying out, the very rocks would cry out. And I think that's very much the dynamic is going here. There, there, there is no other option for these shepherds. They return glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. They stood in wonder and amazement. And you know, that's the last we hear of them. And you have, to, you have to ask, I wonder what happened to the shepherds? What happened to the shepherds? And we can't assume too much. We don't know. The shepherds said, let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened. Did they become disciples? I don't know. I don't know. They said, go, let's see. But you know what? Go and see, it's not enough. Go and see, it's not enough. How about you? You may have heard this Christmas story year after year, but have you only walked up to the stable door and looked in? Maybe you accept that Jesus is the Savior of the world. Sure, he's the Savior of the world. But he's the Savior of your soul. Have you taken Jesus as your own? Jesus' words from Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. That offer still stands. And if you have invited Christ in, if you have made him Lord and Savior and trusted him to forgive and cleanse you of your sins, how do we keep wondering while we wander? I stole that from an article I saw. How do we, how do we keep from Stopping wondering while we're wandering. We're pilgrims in this life, aren't we? Isn't that how the Bible talks about us? First, because it begins with wonder, we don't stop wondering. And I love how Mary expresses it in verse 19. Mary says, or it says that Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Isn't that amazing? Even Mary continued to wonder at what God was doing. What is the Lord doing? How do I fit into his plans and purposes? What is he using this event in my life for? Do I see the Lord as ever-present, active, and imminent in my life? 
Well, secondly, we wonder at his word. We wonder at his word. The nativity story is only the first glimpse of the incarnate Christ. Here it's, we're at the second chapter of one gospel, and we got three more gospels to go and an entire New Testament of letters to get through. That is the revelation of Christ. Take in the whole counsel of God. Maybe take the challenge to read through the whole Bible this year. That's a plug, Darren. Let God expand your awareness of what he is doing. And thirdly, see the events of your life as an unfolding part of the Lord's plan. Even when you can't discern his purposes. Do you see your life as an integral part of God's greater plan and purpose? Because it is, whether you know it or not. And keep doing that until he takes you home. Well, I want to leave you with one thought from the Apostle Paul as he spent a life in wonder and amazement and proclaiming that wonder and amazement. 2 Timothy 4, verses 6 through 8. Paul says to Timothy, the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. The wonder over the purposes and plans of God remained with Paul till his last day. May it be with us also. Let me close in prayer. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word, your revelation of who you are and what you demand of us. Father, help us to cherish your word. Help us that it would never be familiar. Help us that we would continue to wonder in amazing anticipation of what you're doing in our life, our family's life, the life of our church. And Father, help us to commit ourselves to pursuing and magnifying your purpose in your plan. And we will give you all the glory in Christ's name. Amen.